This is Joseph Gervasi. I'm here with Neil Robinson. Uh, this is a bonus uh, interview for Loud Fast Philly. Uh, we've had a proper interview with Neil a little over two years ago, uh, but I'm here in Portland and I thought it would be nice to talk to Neil about what he's been doing since the other interview took place and uh, some other things going on in the country. Uh, today is October 20th, 2017. And hello, Neil. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for sitting down uh, and talking to me again. Thank you uh, for a wonderful meal. <laughs> so when last we spoke, uh, you were living on, it was sort of outside of Portland on a farm. Uh, and uh, even as we were doing the interview, we could hear the sounds of industry of things being built in the background. Uh, what wound up happening there? And then what happened with you since then? Um, oh, I'm just realizing we were, I was, so I'm still, okay, I did take you out to the farm, the Malinowski's farm, which we were at, how many years ago was that? I did the interview with you in the summer of two, of two years ago, so it would be summer of, of uh, 2015, years. right? Yeah, I guess so, okay. So, I moved out, I got offered a piece of land up in Washington, Ridgefield, Washington, by another farmer, so we decided to go up and give it a try. It came with a farmhouse as well, or a house. So I moved up there, stayed there about two years, <laughs> and then uh, got, we got kicked out. Um, the owners didn't like my politics. Oh, really? They, what, what were the, uh, how, how did this come to be that there was a clash in, in politics? Basically, they were following me on Facebook. Oh, really? And that was what turned them off? But what, what was so offensive to them? I mean, one would think that they're probably at least somewhat left-leaning. No. Uh, so, not at all. No, yeah. no. So they're Republican. Mm -hmm. They voted Trump. Right. And actually, that, that county um, did vote Trump. Um, they didn't like especially my anti-religious mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Um, they didn't like how... And yeah, like I was telling you, Londoners are kind of known for being very open. Mm -hmm. They didn't like how open I was being on Facebook. Um, and there was a problem, there was a problem with some electric at the house. And I just, I mean, I took photos of the electric because the electrician couldn't believe. But how bad it was? How bad it yeah, was. Yeah. So I just took some photos and I think I posted, oh, I'm really glad. We found this because the electrician was telling me, wow, you could have had a fire at any time. Uh, and you posted the photos I on Facebook? I posted the photos. Yeah. And they got upset that it looked bad on them as landlords, even though I didn't say anything about who owned the house or anything. Mm. Um, and we just weren't, we weren't getting on. I, I, I wasn't enjoying it up there. Were you with um, a group of people that were renting this, or no, was it just you? No, it was just me. The rest of them wanted to stay in Portland, so they were commuting up. Um, I could tell they weren't happy being up there. You know, it's it was a good experience going out to the country, mm -hmm. because what I realized is, you know, like I said to you while we were eating, it's so nice being in a community with similar-minded people. Right. And when you get outside... And you're dealing with, yeah, Trump-type people. Yeah, yeah. It's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this constant. I don't know. Like, 
the neighbours up there, I could tell. I think this is a difference between East and West Coast. You know, on the West Coast, people love to talk behind your back. Mm -hmm. And I could tell they were being nice to my face. Right, but behind, yeah, but behind they're, they're my back, they did not like the way I looked, the earrings, the tattoos. Mm -hmm. um, but you would think that they, they could just, to a certain degree, put aside the fact if you're paying them on time and doing what you're supposed to do, that you can have a business agreement yeah. of some sort. I mean, I guess not, but... I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know the ins and outs um, by the end of it, but they actually stole two of our greenhouses as well. Yeah. Um, they stole a whole bunch of stuff. They wouldn't allow me on the property to get the stuff. And I didn't want... By that time, all of us were like, we had a little meet and we said, do we want to go up and, you know, deal with the cops or get into a legal I hate I hate the whole legal thing you know I if I can find a way to not deal yeah, yeah, with that yeah you know so that was with were you with Farmageddon that was Farmageddon or, does Farmageddon still exist now Farmageddon exists unfortunately the collective is now only me okay um, so you're Farmageddon yeah my partner Lisa she um she was done this year she's just recently been done and she's trying to figure out where is next for her. Her family's, you know, her parents are getting old and she's thinking about, she grew up on a big farm in the Midwest. She's been kind of thinking of possibly going there. But, you know, a lot of it is also related to how popular Portland's gotten, mm -hmm. that she can't afford her, her partner who she's been around for years or been with for years is disabled so his the disability he gets really doesn't go far with mm -hmm. a inner southeast house um so yeah so now i'm kind of putting word out to people which if anyone out there in the whole us is interested in doing organic veganic farming um two years ago we went veganic if you want to explain what that is for those who don't know. Okay. So veganic farming is we don't use animal or slaughterhouse inputs. So things like manure, we don't use blood meal, um, fish emulsion. There's a whole endless... People are always amazed, especially vegans, when I start talking to them about the commercial veggies they grow and how much... <laughs> animal inputs yeah so I, I take it that there's a lot in there uh, oh yeah is it possible for people to know that uh to find out what goes into the, that that production i mean they could they could ask the farmer um most farmers are would be fairly open they'd probably be proud if they're not using synthetic inputs mm. so they'd probably be pretty open Blood meal seems to be the real, the one that people have a real hard time with, which is basically the blood from the slaughterhouse floor is dried out. And, mm -hmm. and I actually, I got in touch with some people because I wanted to find out how many cows worth of blood to make a 50 pound bag of blood meal. Mm -hmm. And it's basically five cows. And I mean, worldwide, there's millions of pounds Jesus. of blood yeah, milk. Yeah, so that's, in my head, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's bananas. Um, 
So it kind of it started in Europe, mainly in England. Originally, they called it stock-free, which basically meant slaughterhouse-free. Um, we're not certified veganic. Um, I'm looking into possibly doing something like that. There is a there is an actual certification process that there you can is go it, through. There is in England. There isn't that. There's not one that's ongoing here yet. Um, a small group out of the East Coast, certified naturally grown. Um, one of the founders of certified naturally naturally grown just happened to be vegan. And when they heard about the veganic certification in Europe, they thought that might be something people would be interested here. And this was a while back, so it was kind of before. Um, it's it's got more it's starting to get more popular there's quite a few farms in this area where people are switching over to veganic so it might be something I, I contacted them recently to see if that might be something they'd be interested in certifying again um, just so you know it gives us a a little label we can put up at the market even though most most of the vegans that are looking for veganic vegetables kind of know about us anyway so mm -hmm. but i'm really interested in reaching outside of the vegan community because there's always this shock you know on, on anyone's face when i start listing all the animal products that are on their vegetables or used to grow their vegetables and, and I imagine that for some people that, that puts a tremendous weight upon them because they probably don't want to be any in any way a part of that process if they're vegan. But finding affordable food mm -hmm. that they can su sustain themselves with and not go bananas trying to find the source of everything. I mean, that's a serious endeavor for some people to, to attempt to do that. It is, but is it any different than, yeah, what, 30, 33 years ago? when I became vegan mm -hmm. and you'd have to read every single yeah, <laughs> ingredient yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then you'd hear through the grapevine that oh Heinz uses blood in their ketchup yeah, yeah. or or sugar is burnt bones and you'd have to spend weeks like talking to friends mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't see it as that much I mean it it is it is the early stages of it so um I don't want to, I definitely don't want to, um, oh, what would be the word, um, like hold it against vegans, mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but I think without, it's that classic, like, if more vegans start going into supermarkets or wherever they shop and asking the produce, oh, can you get hold of any veganic, you know, that's kind of how yeah, it's, it's it starts. Yeah, it's Yeah, because we've certainly seen the, the world, as you're saying, like the world mm -hmm. that we live in has changed dramatically mm -hmm. over these mm -hmm. years where you can go to the generic supermarket and there's mm -hmm. an organic yeah. food section, which yeah. never would have existed yeah. before. That was for rich people mm -hmm. uh, and weirdos or health food store mm -hmm. people. And then, you know, that, so it's certainly more pervasive. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the means of getting the information with the internet is it's probably not that difficult to find, yeah. find these things out. Yeah. Um, but, but for you personally, I mean, you seem to operate on a very defined and high level of ethical or moral behavior. Mm -hmm. um, it puts you in a position where you're, you're 
outside of obviously outside of the mainstream society mm-hmm. um, do you ever feel that it, it bears any kind of a weight upon you that you're you're constantly sort of judging yourself by mm. by you know correct correct behavior by by your own definition I guess I don't spend too much time in my head um, maybe it's because I'm not I'm a physical person. Mm-hmm. I like to work. Um, if I see something that I'm doing is hypocritical and there's a way, I feel there's a way that I can reach a, a higher goal within what I'm doing, I, I tend to go for it. I don't necessarily think about, um, I'm not judging outside, I might judge myself, but I'm not really thinking about anyone else, um, but I don't, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, I'm, I'm one of these people that I also will try things and they'll fail, I may try them over and over and mm. they keep failing, right. um, but I'm into just trying stuff, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't get caught up in, I don't know, maybe it's an intellectual thing. I don't, I find myself not, not analyzing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like a lot of people spend too much time analyzing stuff. And I imagine that can be debilitating because they get stuck in, in a rut of thoughts rather than physical deeds or, or yeah, action. Yeah, and a lot of times they look for answers from other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I'll try it myself. Maybe I'll try something like veganic and then later on, after I've done it, I'll, kind of cooking was like that. When I, first, when I first started getting into cooking, I just went and cooked. And for some reason I could do it. Well, then, about two years, they sent me to a college to learn the basics. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting because I already knew how to cook. But it was really interesting to go back and understand the basics and how, it, how, I, I, how that was applicable to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I think with Veganic, I just started doing it and kind of thinking about oh yeah, you know, I'm not going to use that product because it's got blah, blah, blah. And now I'm starting to go back and look at people like Ian Tolhurst, who's a pretty big commercial veganic grower in England, and read his stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know, you know. (laughs) Um, And I, I figure at some point also, like a lot of... A lot of those animal products are not cheap. There's things like blood meal are ridiculously cheap. Um, but a lot, there's others that are very expensive. Um, in the same way that, you know, you go to third world countries and buying a bag of a pesticide is really expensive when, you know, yeah, there's an alternative so they tend not to use, yeah. use them. They're just organic by their financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figure, you know, if, if, if I'm doing it and I'm open about how I do it and what I do, 
there may be some other farmers who are conventional or using animal might be like, oh. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal to make yeah. that, that switch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Coming from bands where you were always communicating ideas to people and in some ways sort of communicating the idea of how, how people should live or how or react to, to things politically, do you, do you feel now still that you're communicating to people at all with, with ideas that you have a way of getting your ideas or what you've learned out to other people? I mean, definitely through Facebook. I'm not sure it's going to be a good tool forever. Mm -hmm. um, but it is kind of like, you know, I mean, when I was doing Tribal War, I got to write little... There was a friend who just done an interview, um, this guy Lint, who he's a thru-hiker, he's an ultralight thru-hiker. And just today he he sent me a YouTube video where in it he was talking about how Tribal War changed changed him he was dealing with addictions issues and that and i used to a lot of folks who used to get tribal war stuff i'd always do little handwritten mm -hmm. notes and that and and i used to correspond with him and then he he was in portland i didn't know he was here and he came to the farmer's market one time and he says yeah i saw this 45 50 year old punk looking dude with tattoos and no teeth in his head and he was like oh that's where i'm gonna get my vegetables and then after coming twice then he found out that who i was mm -hmm. and he yeah it was it was kind of funny um now i've gone off track what was the question again? well communi <laughs> communicating people uh to people oh, and yeah. the desire to, to put forward I, yeah. I, you know i don't i don't go out of my way I tell my story, I'm open about what I do, if it interests people, great, if if people want to join and try what I'm doing and we can do it together, I'm into it, I'm, I don't have some higher um, that I'm going to reach total enlightenment, mm -hmm. <laughs> entitlement. <laughs> um, You're not going to achieve Godhead? No. I mean, if I can eat, if I can take a bunch of veggies home and feel good about them, feel, you know, that there's no labor issues, there's no justice issues mm -hmm. around them, that's really all I want. Um, the financial part is the tricky part to, I wish I didn't have to sell stuff. I do, I'm way... I way enjoy sharing food with people. Um, I mean, doing food not bombs when I first came here. I, I always say, you know, I worked in all kinds of restaurants. The most enjoyable restaurant I ever worked in was food not bombs. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like sometimes, you know, these prisoners will come up. They just got out of jail and. They're getting a meal with, I remember one guy, big dude, you could tell he had, he had been in for, I think, five years. And he came down, I think we'd done, like, baked tofu, and then veggies and that. And he came out, he's like, you know, I just spent five years eating meat every single meal. Mm -hmm. And this is the first meal I've had that's not meat, and it's fantastic, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Um, 
So yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not getting caught up with, I don't want to be a model to anyone. I, I've, I've fucked up so many aspects of my life. Um, and it's been a struggle. And So if people want to try for themselves and, and do it where they are or come here, you know, that's great. But I don't have I don't have all the answers. My, it's not some um, utopian lifestyle mm -hmm. I live. It's a struggle, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's hard for me to relate to the way that you live because of the the, the fear that I would have of suffering or dying uh, or not having uh, any form of support in a pretty terrifying world. Um, so I mean, you have you know you have a truck. You have to maintain the truck. Mm -hmm. You know you have other expenses. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, and maybe even in the other interview. But I mean, so you managed to keep out the the great existential fear of the the body falling apart and falling into a state of you know a horror and poverty. And how do you manage to do that when there's probably ultimately a, a very thin layer of protectiveness around you between that you know, that level of despair. You know, what happens if there's a car accident or something like that, right? Now, it's definitely come up um, whenever I'm, because I'm a, I'm a proponent of zero population, so I made a conscious decision years ago to not breed. Mm -hmm. And often people will come to me and their question is, who's gonna look after you when you get old? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of where I grew up. You know, London's very socialist. Um, it's very com almost communitarian in a way. When you look at, you know, whenever there's been, during the Second World War and parts of London were completely devastated, mm -hmm. people would open their, if they had homes that were still standing, they'd open their doors, neighbors would come. People were feeding each other. Um, I wish we could live in a communitarian spirit before, before the, the emergency. Great tragedy. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I don't think it's just not part of the American culture. Mm. The European American culture has been one of. Well, the individual pulling themselves the up under the bootstraps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's very individual yeah. oriented. Uh, um, I don't, again, I just feel the same way as when I needed a place to live in New York City. There were abandoned buildings, mm -hmm. so you moved in. Um, when you needed food, there were dumpsters everywhere <laughs> full of yeah. food. I just, you know, and, and there's so much waste waste of housing, waste of food, waste of water. And often you can find that. I have, I, I think it's because I don't, I don't have, I have no problem with, if I see an, an abandoned building, I'd have no problem moving in. I wouldn't like, it, um, what the word be? So I have I don't think about people looking down at me because of tatty clothes I might wear or mm -hmm. 
the fact that I got no teeth and you know I, I've, I've had it happen so many times here one time I was sitting outside the co-op and it was actually after work and someone came up and they gave me a five dollar bill <laughs> I'll take a five dollar bill. I mean, I took yeah, it. Yeah, straight but, away. I knew it. Right, but their I, idea of your situation yeah, is probably different. They're looking different. at you know, they're they're stereotyping me or whatever, you know. Do you ever have to communicate to people that you know you may think that I am living on the streets, but I'm actually you know I work in this do this thing. I mean, you have to ever. I haven't. Um, no, I've never. I mean, people have given me money and I haven't even bothered. Um, I think sometimes people at market look at me. Someone, someone this week was like, "Oh, are you the farmer?" Mm -hmm. And I could tell they were, you know, they were looking at me, and I'm like, "Yeah." And then I started giving them a spiel, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, you know, he's a farmer." Mm. <laughs> um, you you uh, don't seem to be burdened by a lot of possessions. You don't you don't no. see the cat. And so uh, I'm curious. Did you did you start off you know as a younger person with you know a, a love of or interest in possessions and then have to go through a process of of shedding that or was it never really that much of a thing to you because it seems like most people become very possessed by mm -hmm. possessions I'd certainly mm -hmm. put myself in the same category so how would you how did you not turn out that way I think the first thing was when I moved you know I moved up to London I was living in a suburb of London. I moved out of home when I was 15 and I moved to um, a hostel that was run for people in the food industry. And you know, we were, I was in a room with four other people, little tiny cupboard. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. I could have, you needed anything really. Yeah. And then I moved out and the only thing most, people could afford was what we in London call bed sits mm -hmm. and a bed sit is normally a bed with there'll be a bathroom a shared bathroom down the hall and then you've usually got a fireplace and then some kind of small cooking and that's that's a bed that's sit it, yeah. well I lived in I lived in a bed sit with two of us and then I went off on my own and got my own bed sit and again they were places that you couldn't fit anything mm -hmm. and then then I was hanging out with a bunch of other punks and we got a squat in probably one of the ritziest neighborhoods in London and the <laughs> the building was owned by the son of a Saudi Arabia sheikh mm -hmm. and his dad had given it to him as kind of a plaything, and he didn't do anything with it so yeah. we moved in and he didn't care and again, we didn't need anything there. And then, I think it was, I don't know. I mean, I had i had records. That was mainly my possession. Yeah, and they're all gone, right? You don't they're all to, gone, yeah. yeah so if, do, you, do you ever want to listen to music and then, what, go to YouTube or something? Yeah, to, yeah, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then came here and, I mean, I think just the the lyrics, you know, like... Being around all those early Anaco bands and and going out to the Crass House and hearing people talking about, you know, ownership, possessions and I mean it definitely had an influence, you know, when I moved here, 
and and plus it just always it always seems natural to me to work together mm -hmm. if you if you want to buy a house buy a house together mm -hmm. if you want to work on a farm work together own things together then you know because with that individual ownership comes the financial burden. Yeah, which is a tremendous burden. It's, and it, it's always going to keep yeah. you in a certain line. And it's a stress, and I see that stress playing out with people, people's health. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know, they're, they're on some antidepressant mm -hmm. or... Um, yeah, so I've never let myself get so worked up about finances, you know. Sure, I can't I can't take vacations and I can't just visit in England when I want. But that that's all fine with me because you know, flying has an impact what I what I like to put into environmental racism. Mm -hmm. You know, I fly a plane and that exhaust is going to go over all these other people that airport is traditionally in a poor part of mm -hmm. So it fits me to not fly and not drive out to the coast when I want. And, um, yeah. And somewhere along the line, I just have this, have this feeling that if I have very simple needs, which to me are basically three things, and all of us in our undomesticated selves can find them shelter water and food mm -hmm. yeah and those things when are you strip around, it yeah. down they're, yeah, that's, they're that's all it. around mm -hmm. you yeah. know they they're tr of course they're trying to control them water being one of the major ones but but still they're 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 out there mm -hmm. and if you take away all the all the rest of it and shelter you know and at some point, I do feel either a natural disaster or capitalism, to me, is not sustainable, especially the American form of capitalism is not going to keep going. It just can't. Um, so, at some point, might have to work for my rent and, <laughs> you know... And for that, I have places to grow food around me in the city mm -hmm. that I can trade or barter, you know. Yeah, I guess you have a lot of practical living skills that, yeah. that people who, who have created yeah, a tiny box practical. for themselves. Yeah, I mean, if you can only do a very particular function on a computer, then placing that person out of that, that very particular context, mm -hmm. they're probably largely helpless. Yeah. Uh, I don't exclude myself from that, by the mm -hmm. way, but I mean, I think as an mm -hmm. observation, it's probably correct. I mean, you can, you can adapt to various environments. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and another piece of it is my financial um, responsibilities, obligations are really low mm -hmm. compared to most. Like, I have no college debt. I have no mortgage debt. Um... I mean, you could look at it the other way. People could say, oh, well, he, he has nothing for the future. There's definitely this fear. 
-hmm. And I think the government plugs into the fear really well. Fear of getting old, fear of health. Um, I don't know, I think it was Tim Johannan that years ago, before he died, I spoke to him and I think we were talking about dying or, or getting old or something. And he was telling me how he made sure when he dies that the city of San Francisco would have to pay for his burial. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I kind of laughed about it, like, oh, yeah, like... And then when he died, sure enough, <laughs> they had to pay for his burial. And I'm like, of course, the, you know, the system has a safety net. It's not a very good safety net, as mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. and many people fall through it. Yeah. But there is... Yeah, I think they 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 play on people's um, uh, class pride or class privileges to be like, you know, I go to clinics, all free clinics here all the time. Most of the time, I'm like you had kind of said earlier. Most of the time, when I go to a free clinic, it's predominantly a, people with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I go to I'll go to the Clinics outside the city, um, mostly it's Latino migrant labors that mm-hmm. I'm lining up with. Yeah. But I get to see a great doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it doesn't cost me anything. So there are, there's still this, this safety net. Yeah, but you think you're just made to feel like, oh, you probably shouldn't do that because it's for them. Yeah. But you realize, no, you can do that. You yeah. Know. yeah. They use, they almost use uh, racism yeah and and classism you know the same way as in england when when um when we first started dumpstering all the stores started pouring bleach mm-hmm. on their food yeah because they had this fear they were going to create a class of people that purely lived out of dumpsters yeah, yeah. How it many, was so ridiculous. yeah like how many people like, really want to eat if you don't have to you yeah, probably don't yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, even going down through it, when, when I first came here, we would go pretty much every night. I mean, we'd be out till two or three in the morning. Mm. It was a chore. It's a lot of goddamn work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to, you know, yeah. to get a bit for the next day. <laughs> it's a lot of work to not work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, you know, you look back, looking back, you, you created a body of work. You know, so, yeah, I don't want to burn out your, uh, your battery. You created a body of work that that continues to exist. You know, your records uh, sell on Discogs, get bootlegged, probably get officially reissued. You know, people read the things that you wrote. And put I didn't patches. do any bootlegs. You didn't, but I imagine that, oh. that, that, that your, oh, your, the records oh. like, that you made, oh, uh, you oh. know, have probably been, it, how many t-shirts from mm. bands that you've been in are continue, you know, still made by little distros or other things, you know. So when you look Big back... distros as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look <laughs> back on this, this, this body of work that still exists, I mean, how do you feel about the fact that things that you, you performed or said decades ago still apparently, you know, have a res- mm. resonance for, for some people now and, and still move around the world and inside mm. people's brains and record collections? <laughs> it's kind of a big question, but yeah, I mean, I'm always blown away by it. Like, I'll, people will come, you know, youngsters will come to market, and I see them with big nausea back patches 
and often I'll go up to <laughs> just be like, hey, look, I was in that yeah. band, <laughs> just to see their faces. Um, I mean, it's kind of amazing. Um, I definitely, lyrically, I don't, I was, I wasn't writing anything very intellectually <laughs> moving. It was, but I mean, you, it was genuine. Yeah. That was, I think, maybe that's what's different is, I, without realizing it, there were, there, there seems to have been so many people getting up there, like we were saying earlier, you know, they get up on stage for four years, five years, they're giving it all this, they're going to fuck this, fuck that. They end up basically fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I was just writing about, you know, the squatter scene or what I had known in England or my life. Um, and I guess... It feels like it was pretty simple lyrics. Um, I suppose it would have to be in order to, to, to do it in that type of music. I mean, if you're playing, yeah, you know, really yeah. fast, unless you're conflict or crass where you're mm. going to have a really long, yeah. you know, otherwise you kind of have to be very direct and, and, you know, almost like the, the discharge, like haiku yeah. type style. But to me, it was always very much more about living it than putting on a jacket at weekends mm -hmm. and you know these days I see all these bands reforming that you know all week long they're working in their nine to five jobs and then they put on get out their leather jackets for a weekend <laughs> yeah and go and play put a, a little, put little dye in their hair that they could wash out on Monday <laughs> it just it feels fake and I, I don't like things that are fake um, you know I like being around genuine people, people that can be honest, can are looking to to set up ways to live outside the system, um, who have a communitarian spirit. I, th I think yeah. it's interesting that sometimes even the bands who maybe are living a lifestyle, as you say, you know, for four years where they're anarchists of some sort mm -hmm. and then they go on to another thing, that the thing that they create, say, uh, the records that they create, continue to exist. Mm. Other people hear them devoid of the context of the individuals who created mm. them. And that if the ideas have a certain purity or a certain value, may influence other people yeah. beyond those who have gone off to, you know, work for Apple or whatever. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Not to say that that's even necessarily the worst mm -hmm. thing, but that the, but the ideas, as long as they're committed to a, a physical format, mm -hmm. still have a potency for some people. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting that you, you've created the body of work that people are, are you know, has, has joined this sort of pantheon of, of certain bands that regardless of what year it is, people still go back to them and still mm. they still seem to say something to them. And I imagine that some of those people go off and do, you know, genuinely go in interesting directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the people I want to hear from. <laughs> and hopefully you do sometimes. <laughs> so I guess uh, sort of closing up things, you know, where, where would you like to see yourself? And what do, you, what do you imagine as being something of an ideal situation for you? Uh, I'm very much interested in being part of a subsistence food community, um, possibly setting up an income sharing community with 
with the thought that at some point there might not be income. Um, I think a lot, my, my life has kind of gone along fitting into the capitalist system, but always having an alternative that at, at any point the capitalist system should fail or there be some crazy natural disaster or something that then there is this other alternative that can stand on its own and continue mm -hmm. um but I'm, I'm interested in exploring you know i kind of live in a co-housing community now um <clears throat> i'm really interested in getting a little more getting a little deeper into communitarian style living um, are you finding people that are responsive to these ideas and, and, and to, the, to, to the same level as, yeah. as you? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely people where I live that are, um, they're thinking about their financial impact and also working at getting their financial needs down um, and living very simply and to unplug from the supermarket which is it's really hard like it's it's so interesting how i mean I, I put this challenge out there to people like try and live a month without going to a store to buy your food it's amazing like we are so mm -hmm. um it's so ingrained that food comes from a store it's great there, there was this uh there was this study done years ago, so they went into the poor, predominantly black, people of colour community, and they would go to the schools, and they would ask, it was very young children, where does food come from? The store. <laughs> no, 95% was McDonald's. Oof. That, yeah, is that, that even food? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that was, I think this was during the early stages of seeing diabetes issues in the... Mm -hmm. Um, black community and that but it's it's really hard for people and I see it I see it within the organic community it, it, it I find it amazing so farmers will spend their day spend their week growing organic food they'll sell it and then often they'll deliver it to the city on the way home they stop at the supermarket and they buy non-organic food because it is cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. To, not, to not eat your own food, you know, yeah, because that... you can get cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems absurd. And yet, I guess now you see in, in areas where there would be a so-called food desert, where there wouldn't be the option to buy something other than, say, the convenience store or McDonald's, that there are groups who are moving in co-ops or mm. vegetable trucks and stuff and, and I think that that maybe is is a more positive side of capitalism bringing mm. yeah. bringing something into places yeah. and saying yeah. you know here's an alternative you mm. don't have to eat this mm. other thing and yeah. I think you've seen a lot more of that in yeah. recent years than you've seen in the past yeah. the, the piece of that is the challenge now is I really do a lot of work I think a couple of times you've you you said stuff that kind of irked me a bit because you brought up food affordability mm -hmm. 
I grew up in a culture mainly because my folks took us to France as kids and we grew up around a lot of French people. In France, food has a really high priority. Mm-hmm. Jewelry, makeup, blah, 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 cigarettes. Yeah. They're lower down. Than food, yeah. Than food. Yeah. Here, we've had subsidized cheap food mm-hmm. for so long that now we call organic not affordable mm-hmm. yet buying cheap food where the labor is being exploited there's fuel subsidies for big corporations so that the food can get trucked thousands of miles yeah. so i really do a lot of work around trying to re-educate people on yeah because i made the decision i gave up drugs Within a week, I gave up drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. After a couple of months, I was amazed at how much more money I had to spend on mm-hmm. food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I know it's really prickly to start talking about possibly redistributing your priorities, but, mm-hmm. you know, to call... When people comment about, when I'm making $4 an hour, and they comment about the price of something, mm-hmm. for a yeah. farmer, it can be yeah. really, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because in, in whatever job they're doing, you know, I, I just, I had this conversation just on Wednesday. A customer commented about the price of my tomatoes. I think they were $3 a pound. I asked him, I said, when you go to the gas station, do you ever say to the the person pumping the gas, yeah. I'm not going to pay that for the yeah. gas? Yeah, that's <laughs> it, yeah. Or he, I think he had his cell phone out. I said, you re- you have a, and I know he, he has a really nice car and he had a really nice cell phone. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you've obviously decided what priorities you right. put. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's sometimes people's position to be uh, to move aside the, the curtain and show the great Oz behind there. Mm-hmm. If you're not really paying attention to what, what lies below the surface, you're just not going to pay any mind to yeah. it. But occasionally people will come forward and show you these things. And mm-hmm. I think it ultimately sometimes creates a bigger change in the consciousness of people to, mm-hmm. to see that stuff. Certainly more people are aware of this now than before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, finally, I guess... Since we've met uh, before, we've had a, a Trump uh, become the president. Do you follow closely the, the daily Trump things? And how do you feel about what someone like him brings to the future of this, this country? Yeah, I don't follow it much. Um, yeah, the day after the election, we had a farmer's market. And I could tell people people were coming pretty sad, pretty scared, a lot of fear. Yeah, I saw a lot of shell-shocked looking, yeah. you know, people. Um, and, you know, they come in the booth and, oh, I don't believe it. I say, you know, maybe it's different for me, but I lived through Thatcher, I lived through Reagan, mm-hmm. I lived through a t- couple of Bushes. Um, And my life, my lifestyle has, I mean, let's face it, my lifestyle doesn't interact with the government mm-hmm. that much. Um, 
I mean, there's, there's things I'm concerned about. War. Um, but I, I, I kind of see, you know, I, my first thought was, wow. The first thought was, it's an opportunity. The second thought was, oh, at last we're going to have good punk songs again. <laughs> you know, but I saw it as an opportunity um, for, those, for those folks that, for whatever reason, are always looking to the government to help them. Mm -hmm. I saw it as the opportunity to like, you know, how about we start helping each other? Like, bring it localized. Like, you know, I, I was pretty sure that Portland would step in when the whole immigration issue come up and we become a sanctuary city mm -hmm. and, and constantly behind the scenes, um, you know, they're looking at, they're looking at ways to resist some of the stuff, the policies that Trump's doing. Um, international security, yeah, I'm a little scared about. Well, not scared, but um, and I am. I'm worried that his because there's no global trust that there could be. A financial meltdown on a global scale mm -hmm. which will be way more than happened in 2007 2008 when mm -hmm. the housing bubble um, but again I'm somewhat preparing for that mm -hmm. by growing food yeah yeah um, you know I live in a community where we have people that are, are trained in using ham radios we have people who are trained in preparedness we have we have a room full of dried food we have um, a solar we have solar panels on the building we have solar bathrooms mm -hmm. um, and you've seen we've seen some of that stuff in action I mean recently in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. during the devastation uh, and I'd heard stories on NPR about people who were operating in on the mainland US ham radio uh, oh. system and contacting people there so all mm -hmm. of a sudden these guys who were considered kind of you know a little weird and mm -hmm. dorky because they did this kind of ex eccentric thing mm -hmm. were suddenly the heroes mm -hmm. because they were able to contact people and say this person's still alive mm -hmm. or they need help here mm -hmm. and I, th I think that's an interesting way of yeah. using what seems to be an outmoded technology yeah. for, for a genuine good purpose and I think when you know again you go back to Europe during the Second World War and how communities neighborhoods came together um, I do feel communities, especially where I live, I live in an eco-village, um, that people recognize, they see the amount of food that we have growing. I think when something goes down, that they will gravitate to the community in the hopes of finding some stability or some people with that can share skills, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I think we've seen some of this now mm. in people coming together to voice uh, a, a different version of America mm. than what Trump would say. And then you talk about the sanctuary cities. You know, Philadelphia is also a sanctuary yeah. city. So yeah. you see the individual yeah. ci cities or municipalities saying, "This is these aren't the values mm -hmm. that we stand yeah. for. And people saying, no, I, we agree. You know, mm -hmm. even if it's just putting... A, a sign out in front of their house, which mm -hmm. may to some seem like a virtue signaling, but it does say, 
we have a different vision of America yeah, than what's yeah. being the bully pulpit is yeah. putting forward, which is you yeah. know, certainly a, a darker vision uh, of, of the country, not the vision that I would want to have of mm -hmm. my country. And who knows, maybe, you know, maybe after Trump we will have an extreme shift. It, it seems like there should be a reaction. I mean, he's certainly in some ways a reaction to Obama, which yeah. I suppose some yeah. people felt very comfortable with mm -hmm. uh, and, and didn't inspire them to get mm -hmm. out on the streets or look to their neighbor and say, hey, mm -hmm. maybe we can some way can work together on you know, this thing. My fear, and, and I would say, probably because I have a finger on the pulse of the right wing in this country, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking your average street skinhead, Mm -hmm. I'm talking your your national right wing leaders, your your militant, um, almost I would say paramilitary mm -hmm. right wing group. Yeah, I did feel that Obama was was going to create a reaction within the strong right wing, and that that would have a trickle down to your working class mm -hmm. poor right. the same way as in England Brexit had the same um, you had your, your older working class poor voting because of immigration mm -hmm. without really taking in the whole picture yeah, of, or that we don't want you know, Europe to tell us yeah. what to do we're English we so I had a feeling that the 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 Obama would create where the right was going to be doing rallying and probably hiding away the swastikas mm -hmm. and the other stuff to reach out to you know the poorer white communities and um, yeah put on a nice polo shirt have a nicer yeah, haircut yeah. you know and. Uh, and there you so go. So now I'm interested to see the thing that's worrying, of course, is, you know, at some point you get divisions. And I saw this and I see this a lot because of being in the farming. There's a real divide between urban and urban and rural mm. um, here in Oregon. It's like that, especially in Oregon, because we have Portland that sucks so much no, resources, of the right? resources. Yeah, uh -huh. And, you know, um, you see the rural areas suffering from mm -hmm. addiction issues like crazy. And just, so I, I worry about how divided the country is going to be. Mm -hmm. And in a country where there's so many weapons, at what point do we, because I don't, I mean, it, it seems like the, uh, majority of the cops and i i think i heard that at some point there was a media story that the fbi was supporting trump even though the fbi is meant to uh be unbiased about it but i don't know if it was leaked like as fake news or something but it does feel like i mean what with the whole mili militaristic appearance of cops anyway then it seems like their 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 right wing um, mindset has really come out, you know, and and probably because there's so few open-minded 
cops. Um, but like, I'm like, where are the, where are the army when when the national guards called out on the streets? Where are they going to stand? Like, are they going to be unbiased? <laughs> I can at least say that it seems like Trump has the military people surrounding him <laughs> seem to be pretty solid citizens. And I think they are the people who are keeping him in line from doing things that are even no. worse. And they yeah. also value the, the loss of life having mm. been around it. Yeah. So I think that in a, in a sense that they're really the, the, the barrier mm. that keeps yeah. us safe. Yeah, uh, I think right after the election, I think I had read something where the Joint Chiefs of Staff had put out or, or maybe someone was behind the scenes and kind of saying the same thing that, yeah, these 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 are old folk that have been around a while. They've seen a lot. They're not going to let some fly by night. Yeah, he's a huckster. I mean, he's not. He, he, he has no sincere yeah. beliefs. He's a fuck up. He does yeah. a shitty job. Mm -hmm. He's just an agent of chaos. I don't yeah. think any of these people, even if they have a conservative yeah. agenda, yeah. Uh, this is just an agent of chaos causing yeah. troubles for everybody. So I mean, it's kind of interesting in a way because. There's that there's that conspiracy, inspiratorial side of me that's straight away was like, this is he's not someone that's part of the the right college crowd, the right. No, he's he's, he's very yeah. stupid. He's poorly <laughs> spoken. He's yeah, he's not respected by anyone. Not as a businessman. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. as a, certainly not as yeah. a now a politician of a mm -hmm. sort. I don't think that there's. I don't think even the people who speak for him necessarily have any. Respect I mean, for look that. at the amount of people that are running for cover from his administration. Yeah, they're boogieing yeah. on the fuck out of there as quickly as possible because that that's that ship sinks. Yeah. Due to him putting holes in the goddamn mm -hmm. ship all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yay! Uh, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, again, it's exciting to see when I think, when I see the cities around the country. And I know because I have a friend who's in the mayor's office here that mayors around the country are meeting and they're, they're talking about this stuff and how can we, like, like we were talking about, come together as communities, you yeah. know? And I think, yeah, I think that's proving to be pretty effective. Yeah. I think they've really put a, a stop on a lot of things mm -hmm. that he's tried to put forward. Yeah. And maybe this momentum continues forward even beyond yeah. him. I mean, yeah. who knows if he makes his, his four years. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if so, it seems like it's really sort of invigorated. Some How many people. years have we had? Uh, well, unfortunately, we've had less than one. Oh, is it less than yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really a, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fucking hard to believe that. Uh, wow. I guess the hope is that he is removed before the four years. Uh -huh. I can't imagine the country voting for him again in another, you know, three yeah. years. Uh, but I guess I guess I couldn't have imagined that before. It seems so absurd. Depends how if Russia's taking care of things. Uh, yeah, yeah. If they're on their game, then uh, then he's back. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, it was, it was great to talk to you and again, you. So, so hopefully we'll find a, uh, when we next meet, a uh, more positive uh, world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.